Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. Welcome on in to NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by Flow Racing here on the Motor Racing Network. My name is Chris Wilner. Kyle Ricky out there in Killingly, Connecticut. Or actually, are you at Stafford here today? I never can keep track where you're We're in Killingly today. You are in Killingly. We're in Killingly. Concord, North Carolina. And it was a very big weekend for not one, but two of us. Two different reasons. One, officially married. Oh, let me get it in there. There we go. Had my wedding this weekend back in Indianapolis. It was a dream come true. And Kyle was in Where Dreams Come True, Walt Disney World, his favorite place (laughs) in the world. So a very big weekend for the both of us. Uh, Kyle, tell me about your trip. I know Daytona was uh, a marathon. You had to deal with a lot of rain, a lot of storms, travel nightmares, but you did get to go to the happiest place on earth. How was it? I did, and that was the nicest, driest day of the whole weekend. We flew in very early on Thursday, and it's like, well, what are we going to do all day? We can go sit on the beach, and Jason Toy, who worked for Pit Road or worked Pit Road for us over the weekend, said, let's go to Disney. Uh, My daughter works over there at Epcot, and uh, we can meet up with her, and I can see my daughter. You can ride the rides that you haven't been on in a few years, and make a day of it. And we did. And it was a, it was a great time. It wasn't as crowded as I last remembered back uh, pre pre pandemic. I guess everyone was at the magic kingdom that day. Um, <laughs> but it was a good time. I uh, got to ride some of the new attractions that have opened the last two years and enjoyed them both. It was fun. And then we went over to Daytona and for the most part sat in the rain for three days. Yep. Well, at least you had, a, <laughs> you had some memories uh, from Disney world to, uh, to come back with, but that's awesome. Glad you had a great time. Uh, we've got a busy, busy show. Uh, Doug Kobe coming on here in just a little bit in uh, segment number two. Uh, a big win out at Langley, you know, for a part-timer this year. Uh, him and Tommy are just like lockstep with each other. Every time he gets in that 7NY, he finds victory lane, it seems like. So picked up another one his third of the year. We'll talk to him about that and uh, maybe a little bit of con- uh, reconciliation between him and his teammate, Jimmy Blewett, after a couple weeks ago at Thompson. Yeah. So we'll see what he has to say about that, but of course, we'd like to start things off uh, celebrating our big winners from the weekend here as we wrap up the month of August. I cannot believe it as this show airs, I believe, will be officially in September. So, pretty incredible that the season is flying by. But, Kyle, we're going to kickstart our top seven with our number one winner. And I just mentioned him. His name is Doug Kobe, winning the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour out at Langley. Uh, watched the race, and it seemed like that guy could have probably just been like uh, Jean Girard and and uh, Talladega Nights sipping his macchiato with one hand on the wheel. It was that easy. Saturday night cruising yeah. for uh, for Doug down at the Langley Speedway uh, track where he nearly got a win five years ago, I guess it was now, 2017. Yeah. Led a bunch of laps, got turned late in the going while leading uh, within the final few laps of the event. Then comes five years later to a track that the tour hadn't been to since 2018. And uh, yeah, fast in practice, fast in qualifying, led every lap. 
Was it that easy? We'll talk to him here in a bit and see if it was. We'll see. I, I have a feeling race car drivers say it's never easy, but I don't know. You right. certainly made it look like the contrary. Uh, Kyle, our Coast Coast Top 7, number two, who do you have? We're going to go north of the border, the NASCAR Pinty Series in action, the General Tire 125 at Circuit ICAR. Uh, Kevin Lacroix picking up a yet another win, his third of the season. Pretty tame race uh, for, for road racing it's with shocking. the NASCAR Pinty <laughs> Series. Uh, yeah, just two caution flags for stalled cars on the racetrack, but uh, Kevin Lacroix, a championship contender, point leader all for most of the season in the NASCAR Pinty Series. They're getting down to it. Just a couple of events to go, but uh, Kevin able to, to pad that lead a little bit more over the weekend uh, at Circuit ICAR. Coast to Coast Top 7, number 3. I'm going to go with Sammy Smith as the Arkham Menard Series continues to roll through a busy kind of back half of the summer stretch coming off of Watkins Glen. He wins the Arkham Menard Series event, the Spreacher 150 at Milwaukee, the big Milwaukee mile, one of the most iconic short tracks in North America. Glad to see the Arkham Menard Series back at that facility. Super cool. Uh, and held off a youngster, another youngster, Taylor Gray, uh, there at the very end and uh, for his third Arkham Menard Series win of the year. And it was a nice win for Sammy because he about 40, what, 48 hours or so before in the Xfinity Series race, one of his uh, early venturing on early in his career, crashed out at Daytona. I know he's pretty sour about it, but hey, you get a redemption win with the Arkham Menard Series at Milwaukee. What a great, great race for him. Uh, continues to roll uh, in that number 18 car. I'll be really curious to see what kind of momentum he can carry the rest of the season because I think we talked uh, a little bit when we had him on the show that technically, you know, he could win out and and make some noise, although he didn't run the first four race of the year. So we'll see what happens. He could. Making some noise uh, at the, one of the oldest, I think uh, the oldest maybe, f- race facility in the country at the Milwaukee Mile over the weekend. So congratulations to Sammy. Felt so bad for him. I think it was like lap three. Yeah. On Friday night or Saturday morning, whenever we started the Xfinity race, it was about midnight uh, when he spun off of turn four, he got the inside wall. So the highs and lows of motorsports and Sammy experienced them both over the weekend. Uh, moving on to our number four in our coast to coast top seven, Ryan Millington. Uh, the playoffs roll on at the Hickory Motor Speedway over the weekend, and he won feature number one for the late models, part of a twin bill there. Held off the ladies, yeah. uh, Isabel Robusto and Annabeth Barnes-Crum, who we had on the show earlier this season. Uh, Ryan not running for the championship, running a part-time uh, schedule this season at Hickory, but was able to claim the win in race number one at the Hickory Motor Speedway on Saturday night. So for Coast to Coast Top 7, Number five, I'm just going to go ahead with the winner of race number two, and that is Landon Huffman that we had uh, a couple weeks ago here on the show running for the track championship this year. Picked up his third win of the year, also holding off the ladies. So podium finishes in race one and two for Isabella Robusto and Annabeth Barnes-Crumb. 125 points now is his points lead going into the big championship night on September the 17th out at Hickory. So I do know Pockets and Brews, which is the local drinking establishment uh, near the Hickory Motor Speedway, was crowded. I The social media, the, the pictures from there, I can only imagine what it will be like if Landon secures that championship in a couple weeks' time. So certainly well-deserving, and he's got a big week as well, uh, wrapping up actually after uh, the show airs Thursday on Wednesday, the big Cars Tour late model stock race. I know he was out taking part in the limited event uh, with High Rock Vodkas, the sponsor, Dale Earnhardt Jr., big uh, partner involved with that. So really big week. Uh, for Landon Huffman. All right, coast to coast, top seven, number six, Kyle. Who is on? We're your gonna list? go. 
Yeah, up to uh, northern New England we go. The prestigious Oxford 250 was run over the weekend, and Cole Butcher picked up the race win. He becomes the first winner of the event from Nova Scotia and the first Canadian to win the race in a long time. I had not, I didn't think it was that long, but uh, 1995, going back to Dave Whitlock, uh, Butcher, a little bit of controversy late in the race, got into Johnny Clark, a longtime uh, competitor up here in the Northeast in full-bodied racing, uh, led a bunch of laps early, and there was contact made between those two. Um, so interesting finish in front of a great crowd. Eddie McDonald, another longtime name up here, finished in the second spot. 39 cars took the green, 60 tried to make the race. So another great turnout. The place was packed both on uh, Saturday night and on Sunday for the 250. So congratulations to the promoters up at Oxford Plains. Uh, a great race. And Cole Butcher for picking up the race win. Absolutely. And the gentleman who won the night before the 250 for the American Canadian Tour is Derek Lukaki, who won uh, the big series event out there. That was, you know, we talked about last week, Bubba Pollard was in uh, entered in that race. Carson Hosevar was entered in that race with so some big names taking part. Kind of an, a, a nice buildup for Oxford Plains to have their big night before event. But Derek picked up the win. Uh, they also had a major power outage. The track lights went out. I think, what, half the town lost yep. power at some point uh, during the event. So definitely threw a wrench in things. Uh, it's not the first time I've heard of a track losing track lights. So uh, certainly interesting that that happened. But, hey, you know, Derek picked up the win, and uh, it was an emotional win. You know, it's the night before the 250, but for the ACC, you know, that's that's a marquee event uh, with all eyes on Oxford Plains that weekend. So big uh, congratulations to Derek. Yeah, not the uh, not the streaming service yeah. off the air. Or had people that you know paid to watch the event, wondering what was going on at the racetrack. And and you know the folks at home don't know that all the track lights are out and a lot of the electronics at the racetrack are out because uh, there was a power hit in town. But yeah, congratulations, Derek Lachaki. Um, great run. Uh, he's come a long way in a relatively short amount of time. I racked up a bunch of wins a few years ago at the Seekonk Speedway and has expanded his horizons uh, throughout the New England uh, New England region. All right, so those are our Coast Coast Top 7 winners of the week. Of course, we have our, t- our weekly shout-outs of the week, and I'm going to go with Deke McCaskill, who, you know what? We talk about these young superstars in grassroots racing, but he got one for the old guys. One of the elder statesmen for the Cars uh, Late Model Stock Tour finally got a win after nearly two years of waiting uh, out at Motor Mile this past weekend before their big trip up to um, North Wilkesboro. Uh, He was a 2016 Series champion, uh, but even more special uh, was in 2018, his wife Sandy suffered some major strokes. He took time away from racing or really slowed down his racing career to take care of her, get her back up to speed. So this win... Uh, certainly emotional for him. She was there, dedicated the win to him. So really cool to see Deke get back to victory lane. Uh, it was a popular win uh, amongst all of our youngsters and our championship contenders like uh, like the Quapples. You know, it was really cool to see Deke kind of take one for the uh, elder statesman. So Kyle, who's your shout out of the week? I love a good feel good story. And yes. this is uh, one of probably my favorite for the entire year, maybe for the, the entire time we have done this show in the last decade. Peyton Lanfear, uh, we've talked about her a couple of times this year, diagnosed with stage four cancer four months ago, made her first start of the season in the ACT race on Saturday night at Oxford Plains. Uh, since her diagnosis, uh, she competed in the event with her sister, Riley, uh, for the first time. She has a, a PET scan this week, 
hoping the results show that she is cancer-free or at least close to being cancer-free. So we hope to see Peyton back behind the wheel of, uh, of a stock car more and more here as the summer winds out down. She said the five days leading up to the race, she was so sick she couldn't move. She couldn't get out of bed. She found that energy, though, on Saturday to get to the racetrack, uh, get suited up for the first time in 2022, and got behind the wheel, took the green flag, and, and made some laps. So good for Peyton. We want to wish her the best and her uh, you know, continued progress um, in, in what has been a very tough summer for her. 100%. Really special for her to have Carson Hosevar there, you know, her boyfriend yep, her who's boyfriend. been by her side. Yep. Throughout this whole journey, and he actually ran one of one of her family cars as well. Uh, we mentioned in the night before the 250. So the two of them together, uh, definitely special for sure. So uh, I'm sure there were some tears that happened as well uh, for her to get oh, back yeah. to the race car. So super, super cool. Uh, definitely probably the best shout out uh, I think we've had all season. I think that was much, much deserved for Peyton. All right. Well, Doug Kobe's been waiting for us because we've just been jabbering away. So let's go ahead and dial him up. And we'll be right back here on NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing with the winner of the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour out at Langley this past weekend, Mr. Doug Kobe. Welcome back to NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing. Joining us now via Zoom, it is the most recent winner for the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Series at Langley. That is Doug Kobe driving the infamous uh, 7NY for Tommy Baldwin. Uh, Doug, first of all, congratulations. Uh, we've talked about it earlier this year. A little bit different, kind of not running for the points and running a part-time schedule, but things clicked again when you hopped aboard uh, Tommy Baldwin's ride and, and got the big win at Langley. How would you assess your night and uh, just kind of walk us through it? Oh, I mean, the car was just a rocket from the time we unloaded. And it seems like that's kind of Tommy's MO this year is um, it's either really fast uh, on new tires or, you know, on old tires, you'll see it mid pack. And then all of a sudden when he starts, you know, really working at the thing, it's back towards the top again, qualifying good. Now, um, you know, we had a couple of, uh, not so great qualifying runs, but now he's got two poles in a row with, uh, Jimmy and me, uh, Thompson and Langley. So, I mean, the thing is just really, uh, firing on all cylinders right now. And, um, I kind of knew, uh, from the way it was in practice that we were going to have a, a really good shot at being fast all day. And I, I mean, the biggest thing for me was qualifying up front because I knew it was going to be a, a tough track to pass on. Um, seemed like the track has totally changed since 2018, since we were last there. So, um, starting on the pole, uh, certainly made it a lot easier. I could set my own pace, save my tires, um, let the guys behind me kind of battle it out. And, and even when those, uh, silk and, um, beers got up towards the end at the, uh, towards the front at the end there, I kind of knew they had to use their stuff up. So, um, it was a great day for us and, uh, another win for Tommy's team five on the season, which is uh, pretty special with three different drivers, you know? I mean, you look at the numbers, you started on the pole, you let all 150 laps en route to the win. Uh, some would call it a Saturday night cruise, but they say these wins never come easy. So were there any hiccups? during the day or during the event? 
No. (laughs) I mean, listen, it was, it was just a great day. Uh, we stuck to the plan and that's been something Tommy and I have learned over the course of our, uh, what, seven, eight races together, seven races together. Um, you know, when we stick to the plan, it seems like things go pretty well. And when we start trying to make the plan better than it, it was maybe intended to be, that's when maybe we, you know, had a couple of, of off races. Um, you know, Saturday was one of those races, you know, where it seemed like everybody else was really struggling with the grip that the track was giving uh, all of us. And we were just struggling less. Um, and it was actually really similar to Myrtle beach and, and Lee, um, managing the tires on an abrasive surface. And I, I've certainly had some success at both of those tracks with wins there. So, um, it kind of played into my wheelhouse. It played into my wheelhouse that Matt Hirschman wasn't there. I think that would have been a race that he would have been able to really, uh, put some pressure on, on us and would have been right up front the whole day. Uh, cause, cause that type of track plays into his, uh, style of racing and, and certainly the, the lack of grip in the track, uh, would have lent to him being fast there too. So, um, you know, no Ryan priest, no Matt Hirschman, not to say that they would have beaten the seven or uh, it just would have changed the day, you know, for a driver though, what kind of challenges do you face? Or I guess maybe, maybe there aren't because of how seamless the transition seems to be when you share a car with two other drivers, everyone has a different driving style, but it seems like there's really no gap. It's just that car performs almost identical between the three of you guys. So what is it about Tommy? What is it about that team, that car that you're able to, after a couple races, get back in and it's like you never left? Uh, it's just a couple years in the making of him working on his setups and uh, working on uh, his this one particular chassis that he's put a lot of time into to run uh, the tour races, the tour style races with the tour, the way the tour sets the day up from practice to qualifying with the adjustments we're allowed to make, um, you know, uh, in advance of qualifying in the feature. It's very limited. Um, it's not like we have uh, heat races and then we all go back and, you know, make massive adjustments or changes to our, our cars for the feature. The cars are impounded after qualifying and you can't, you can't jack the thing up. So, you know, if you want to get wedge in the thing, you know, you're lifting up on the bumper to get, get wedge in the left rear. And, uh, Tommy has really, um, learned how these races play out for his old setups and, and really perfected it. And, um, this is probably the first car where, you know, my input matters during the day, uh, my ability to break down what I feel and explain to him what we need. We may tweak a little bit on how far we go for a, an adjustment for, um, qualifying for the two laps or, or for the feature, but for the most part, I think he's doing the same thing with all three of us. Um, and you know, he's got slightly different, you know, we all weigh different amounts and, uh, you know, he's got slightly different setups that I'm sure he has to move some weight around for, you know, me and and Jimmy and Michael, certainly, uh, all three of us are kind of pretty different, but as far as handling goes, um, you know, I've driven, I've driven a lot of good cars and I think it helps that I know what a good car feels like, what a winning car feels like. And for me, I just go out there and I tell them it's either got it or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, then we start throwing some things at it. And I knew that it had it. Um, it just had great forward drive and I could watch some of the other cars and hear what some of the other drivers were complaining about. And I just didn't feel that same thing. My car was turning and driving and that's all you can ask for on a, on a little round circle like that. Chris mentioned a moment ago that this has been a part-time season for you running just eight of the 12 events. Is there a different feeling showing up at the racetrack, not having to worry about points for the first time in 12 years? Uh, Not really. I mean, you know, I always try to drive the same way, regardless of whether I'm in points or not. Um, 
you know, I think the, the feeling that I have right now is maybe what could have been if I raced the four races that I missed, um, you know, New Smyrna, Richmond, Wall and Jennerstown are uh, pretty good tracks for me. So I think I, I probably had a decent shot whether it be in my own equipment or Tommy's equipment to have run very well at those four tracks. And, you know, uh, if you take like an average finish of like sixth or seventh, it still would put us, you know, put me ahead in driver's points by like 30 something points, uh, with four races to go. So, you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, it's been an interesting season on the tour, uh, with, you know, so I think some people are battling some differences in the tires, um, just in terms of, you know, maybe how they were constructed or how old they are and how that translates to setups and features and making adjustments and the tried and true, uh, you know, isn't always working for everybody. So, um, you know, I, I approached this season like any other season, what can I get done? And I knew in the beginning of this year that my number 10 team wasn't going to be a full-time tour team and having the opportunity now to fill in seven races with Tommy, uh, finishing the top 10 in all of them and, and finish, you know, get three wins out of those seven races. Um, it's exciting. It's fun. Um, I think I, I talked to a bunch of people in the off season and I said, you know, like you never know what's going to come about um, as the season rolls on. And, um, you know, last year, 2021, I didn't know I was going to race and win SRX. I didn't know I was going to get a truck series ride. And that's why when I came into this season as a part-time competitor, it really didn't stress me out or bug me at all because something like this comes along and, and that's just the story of 2022. Absolutely. Now, you know, kind of ironically with this win this last weekend, if you remember two weeks ago, that was the car you made contact with. I know it's been a couple weeks, though, and Jimmy Blewett was behind the wheel at Thompson when you guys got together, and but now you picked up the win. So is this, A, a little consolation for Tommy? Like, hey, you know, sorry about two weeks ago, got you a win this weekend. And two, where are you and Jimmy at? Have you guys talked? I know he was pretty heated a couple weeks ago, but obviously time may heal. So, So what do you think? Yeah. I mean, so it's going to take, it's going to take some time with Jimmy. We are good friends. Um, and so there's something to be said there and he knows that. So we have, uh, we have texted a few times and, and we have plans to chat. Um, there was some vacation involved and some other racing he was doing. So it was kind of like, you know, you go back and you get busy again and you can't dwell on, you know, two weeks ago. Um, I think the thing about the contact at Thompson that put the seven in the wall was for me, just kind of how Tommy handled the situation. Um, you know, Tommy and I don't have a tremendous amount of history together. We are not buddies from the racetrack. Um, we've chatted in passing, make jokes, you know, about certain stuff over the years, but he's not somebody that he didn't call me because, you know, we go back decades or something like that. And, and he wanted me in the car. It's just a, kind of a new friendship. And, uh, I was super impressed with how he handled the situation, um, right away. And I think for any of the race fans or the, uh, keyboard wizards on social media who have comments to make about what happened, uh, really all that matters is what the car owner, uh, wanted to do after what happened. And, you know, that very night he told me, you know, we're getting ready to go to Langley. And so that was impressive to me in many ways, um, certainly should be expected. I mean, with his experience, uh, and the cup series and managing hundreds of people and different personalities and different situations. So maybe somebody else wouldn't have handled things, um, the way that Tommy did. And, uh, I'm grateful for that. I, I think it shows uh, a lot of him as a person and a competitor, and he just wants to go out there and win and get the job done for the seven this year and, uh, wrap up an owner's championship. So, um, you know, when there's, there's two drivers involved and in this case, there was, uh, 
uh, two car owners involved, one of which who was the driver. Um, you know, and I do want to remind everybody, you know, I was driving a brand new car that night. So it's certainly not like I was out there trying to hack my way around and, and wreck my car too. So this was an unfortunate circumstance that happened between our two cars. Uh, and it's being dealt with between the people who are involved in the situation. Um, and those are the only opinions and conversations that matter. Um, so it's kind of like lots of things in racing. It seems like these days you're either on one tribe or you're in the other tribe. And if you're not in this tribe, you know, whether it's politics or racing or whatever, we, we can't all meet in the middle and, and everybody has very strong opinions about things. And I would just caution people against that because if it's not your investment and it's not your time and it's not your equipment, it's not really your business. Until that moment, well said, <laughs> well said. Until yes. that moment on the front stretch, uh, was it nice to be back at Thompson with the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour first time in, in a couple of seasons? It's awesome at Thompson. Uh, modifieds at Thompson. I know some people think it's crazy with the slide jobs and some of the not so great slide jobs. Um, a lot of things people don't realize about Thompson is that track changes quite a bit for us over the course of a race and moves you can do early in the race. You can't do late and lines where, you know, you have to find grip and all sorts of weird spots sometimes. So, uh, that's what I love about that track is you never know what you're going to get that night. And it's super fast and racy. And, um, you know, it's, it's really, to me, the staple of the tour, um, you know, to think we used to go there, what did we go there five times, five times, bunch of seasons. I mean, uh, and it was never like going to Thompson ever got old. And that's the coolest thing about tracks like Thompson is that you could go there two times, five times or eight times, and it's still going to be fun all eight of those times. So it's an awesome facility. Uh, hope we go back there at, you know, obviously the world series, but hopefully we have some things in line for 2023 for the tour there. Um, just a great track for the modifieds. And of course I grew up racing, you know, back at little T. So there's a lot of history there with me and, uh, my family and the, the Honig family in that facility. So with four tour races left to go, first off, how many of those are you going to run? And two, now that this championship battle between Ron and, and, and McKennedy are kind of coming down to the wire, how much does that weigh on your mind when you're out there uh, knowing these two guys are within mere uh, couple points from each other going down to the wire? So uh, to answer your first question, I'll be in all four of the remaining tour races. Uh, um, you'll see me in the seven and the 10 to fill out the set this the season. Um, not quite sure exactly what the breakdown is going to be. I mean, I know what it it's going to be likely, um, but it kind of all depends. I think how the next couple of races go, um, you know, how that shakes out. Um, as far as the points battle goes, um, I mean, certainly I'm no stranger to uh, end of the season points, you know, tight points battles and points championships. Uh, it's really up to those guys to protect their cars in the next four weeks. Uh, it's always been up to me to protect my car. And that's why I have an awful lot of seventh place finishes at the World Series to close the season on the tour. Because when you're running up front in points and you just have to do what you have to do to seal the deal, you make sure you get it done. So um, I'm certainly not interested in uh, getting in the middle of their points battle. Um, I think they're pretty much <laughs> getting in the middle of their own points battle. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's, you know, it's it's exciting. I mean, it's, it's you know, a lot of times with me and Justin, let's say, you know, we we were rivals, you know, in terms of the point battles and winning, you know, winning races and whatnot, but we never really kind of got in, into it on the track um, in the middle of a, a points season. Uh, Ryan and I may have a few <laughs> once or twice, <laughs> but uh, Justin and I never have. And so, yeah, that's pressure for John and Ron to figure out, you know, how are they going to get that edge going into the last 
last race of the season at Martinsville. And uh, I certainly think you want to be the point leader after the World Series at Thompson and not the guy who's got to, um, you know, try to make up ground at Martinsville because they both had great seasons. Seems like they're both running in the top three or four every week for the most part, uh, except for when they kind of took care of that themselves at Thompson. Sure. Um, you know, so it's likely that they'll be within a couple spots of each other the rest of the year. And, uh, you know, whoever, whoever it is, whether it's Ron or John or Eric or Justin, uh, it's crazy that Justin is still in, in, uh, contention here, but 26 points for the 51 team is not a whole lot to make up, especially when the top two guys might have a chip on their shoulder against each other. And that can change things awfully quick, uh, especially when you're going to tracks like you know, Riverhead and Thompson, uh, those are some wild card tracks. They always will be. And, um, you know, we'll see whoever uh, comes out on top. Final question for you. And you've already answered a little bit of it about the rest of the season, four races left on the tour. And there's a host of other open type races and tri track races. I mean, modified racing, a plenty up here in the Northeast, any other, uh, modified events on your calendar outside of the tour. This season, Toyota Racing is looking for jugglers. Aha! Not the ones who toss balls or rings. Fans that can juggle the rigors of a 10-month-long season across many different racing circuits. Well, what if I added knives? What if you added GR Cup, Formula Drift, and off-road racing? If you can juggle it all, then we want you. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. Formula Drift is a registered trademark of Formula Drift's holdings, LLC. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Here for Ryan Blaney, four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. Sure. Nothing right now. Uh, I'm not not planning on going to the uh, the tri track race at Stafford as of right now. Uh, that could change, uh, but I'm not planning on it. And then uh, really, you're just talking about you know the Islip 300, Turkey Derby, um, and uh, you know the Open Mod race at Thompson. So I don't have any plans to compete in those right now. But you know, just like my season started off, didn't have plans in competing in a lot of these races, and uh, you might just see me there. So for me, finally, you know, as we talk every year about, you know, the growth of modifieds and kind of what we've seen really over the last two years, especially with the streaming with flow now and the growth of the fan base. Now that we're kind of wrapping up 2022, is there anything maybe schedule wise or things like that? Maybe you'd like to see happen for 2023, because it's never too early to talk about next year already. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about the tour, um, I always have ideas for the tour schedule, and uh, you know, I'm not the guy. Let's that, go. What do you I'm got? not the guy that makes the tour schedule, so you know, yeah. what I mean, it doesn't really matter. I mean, there there are a ton of tracks that I think we we could go to. Um, I think the first priority should be getting back to Stafford with a modified tour race and whatever it takes to do that. Uh, we need to be at Stafford and Thompson. Um, those are the tracks that showcase the tour. Uh, the best uh, on television to new fans. Um, and those are the tracks that I think the other short tracks around the Northeast and the East coast, they look at as examples for who's hosting tour races. So uh, to me, it starts there. 
getting Stafford and Thompson nailed down. And hopefully uh, Josh has some more races planned for JDV productions. And I think that's a big, important part of our, our future at short tracks. Um, I really enjoyed a lot of these tracks that we've been going to. So uh, the, the fact that we're at, you know, some tracks like Seekonk, but then not at Seekonk. I mean, I, I love Seekonk, so I'd love to be back there, but I, I'm okay with it being every couple of years cycling in and out of these short tracks, because I just, I don't know how sustainable these races are at some of these smaller facilities that, you know, it's a big purse, you know, not necessarily the biggest of crowds, you know, I think it's awesome to cycle them through and then every three or four years kind of bring them back because it, you know, reinvigorates the fans uh, and gets more people out there. So no specific tracks uh, that you'd like, I, I mean, Dominion, I'd love to see the tour at Dominion. Um, you know, there's a couple others, but uh, you know, it's neither here nor there. It doesn't really matter. Sure. Absolutely. But it's always, you know, I'm always curious kind of where drivers like to think, you know, things would fit. And I'd certainly Dominion. That's one I didn't even think about, but you're right. I'd, I'd like to see them there too. Uh, we'll wrap it up to a little quick uh, preview of Oswego, uh, another track up in New York. What do we think about it? Uh, what, what's, what's your overall or what I guess what's your early impression of heading up there this weekend? Oswego is an awesome facility. I mean, it's super fast. Uh, you are just buried into the throttle there and there are, you know, tons of bumps that kind of throw you around. And, um, you know, the first year that we went there that I won that race, I think it was 2016, our first year back with the modified tour. I think they had sprayed the outside at some point in the summer. Uh, I don't know if it was right before our race, but they sprayed some syrup down on the outside and it made for some awesome racing. Uh, it seems like since then the grip level has gone away. Uh, it's back to kind of beating and being an old beat up kind of racing surface that, you know, you have to be on, on, the ball to get everything you want done there because you have guys like Matt Hirschman who are pro he's a pro there. I mean, you're, you're battling not only the track, but you're also battling Matt, who's going to be super consistent. Um, but certainly Ron Silk, Justin Bonsignor, I don't know if Ryan priest is going, all of those guys have won races there. And I think when you look at who's won races at us, we go in the last, you know, six years or so, there's a lot of great drivers and teams who have done that. So we're certainly all capable. Um, it's a neat facility. Um, it's a, a fun facility for the fans to watch out with the covered, you know, the covered grandstand and, and being right on the lake up there. It's definitely a different environment for all of us. So, um, I'd say bring it on. I hope we go there every year as well. Uh, it's definitely become one of my favorite tracks and it, it helps that I've, I think I've run in the top five there mostly every time we've gone. Um, but it's a, a really fast facility and a good show for the mods. Well, best of luck up there. Can't wait to watch it all. Uh, the coverage on flow Saturday night and uh, congratulations on your big win at Langley. Again, you know, uh, we talk about 2017 and the what coulda, shoulda, but I think finally we can stop talking about that. You finally got one back at Langley on the tour, so that's got to feel good. <laughs> yeah, it feels awesome, and thank you guys for having me on, and of course, everything you do to promote the Modified Tour and, and the Open Modifieds and anything that's a ground pounder with big horsepower and open wheels. I mean, we're uh, certainly appreciative of everything Flo's doing to get our brand out there and, and bringing in new fans. Awesome. Well, we love it. Best of luck this weekend. That's Doug Kobe getting ready to tackle the rest of the tour schedule after a big win at Langley. For us, on the flip side of the break on NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing, we've got the Go With The Flow calendar chock full of races coming up this weekend. We'll let you know what's going on after this. Welcome back to NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing. As always, time to talk about our interview we just heard from. How about Doug? Uh, super confident, 
super, uh, well, really actually pretty candid about uh, Jimmy and, and kind of their conversations and everything that happened a couple weeks ago. But uh, really excited to see what he could do the last four races, Kyle. And I know he doesn't know exactly which car he'll be in for which race, but you look at the rest of the schedule. He mentioned two of them with Thompson uh, and even, heck, not only Riverhead, but I'm going to throw Martinsville in there. It's just absolute wild card races. So I'm excited to see if Doug can kind of shake things up, and I'm sure this won't be the last victory uh, this season. And he won't be able to contend for the title, I mm-hmm. think, based on his performance in, in the eight races that he has run. He can finish top five in points, even with missing four races. Uh, he is that, uh, you know, there, there's some guys in points that, you know, they race for fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth place, but he can outpoint them enough where I think he can get up there and finish top five. Probably, obviously not going to catch Ronnie Silk and John McKennedy and even Justin Bonsignor, but um, he can certainly uh, be a player. I also think that much like Landon Huffman a couple of weeks ago, that when his career is done, he could be a great promoter. Yes. He's a great spokesman, great spokesman for the sport. Obviously, a, a multi-time champion in the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour. Brett uh, has represented that series well now for more than a decade, decade and a half. Um, continues to represent it even as a part-time competitor, and uh, will will no doubt or could be no doubt a great promoter one day. Yeah, we've had a couple back-to-back really good. Um, I guess quality discussions in terms of the future of the sport and and what yeah. you would do differently and it's definitely got my wheels turning of like what would the next three four years look like for short track racing yeah. uh, in general so really cool stuff really good conversations appreciate doug for coming on in we're going to wrap up the show like we always do with our go with the flow calendar uh presented by flow racing and of course uh we'll we'll keep talking about the ground pounders the mods back at it with the Bud Mod Classic at Oswego, we heard Doug kind of preview what he's going to expect. Super fun, super technical, but lightning-fast racetrack at Oswego Speedway up there in New York. Saturday night at 7.30, you can catch the coverage on Flow Racing. And Kyle, you mentioned the points battle. I mean, three points. I mean, that is tight, and those two have gotten together already a couple weeks ago. There's not exact, they're not going to be sending each other a Christmas card this year, so you think think that I'm, I'm sure it could fluctuate again this weekend. Well, and the last thing these two want to do, talking about Ronnie Silk, John McKennedy, uh, or Silk, a former uh, modified tour champion, John McKennedy, looking for his first NASCAR championship, has found success in the ISMA Super Modifieds up here in the Northeast. The last thing they want to do over the last four races is worry about each other and do exactly what happened at Thompson. Um, and then that's wreck each other and let Justin Bonsignor or, or you know, some of the other drivers in, in the top five back into this title fight. I mean, they have a, a fairly healthy lead right now, but um, yeah, uh, you don't, you don't want to get together too much or you, you could allow a, a third or fourth contender in and that should make, that would make Martinsville very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure their crews are telling them that as well. Keep an eye and keep in mind the big picture, and that is the championship. Arc Menard Series, Kyle, back at it as well. Man, just rolling through their season here as we hit the month of September. The Rust-Oleum Automotive finishes 100. At DuCoin, we head back to the dirt after a fantastic Springfield event a couple weeks ago. Sunday, September the 4th, on Flow Racing, you can see the Arc Menard Series contenders back on the dirt there at DuCoin. Uh, be curious to see if Jesse Love can continue his uh, you know, strong showing on the dirt. I- I'm not sure. I don't think Buddy Kofoid, who was there to challenge for the win before that accident going down the front straightaway, is entered. But the championship there, awfully tight as well. 
Yeah, Nick Sanchez, 13 points. So probably one of the larger point leads we have seen here in the last couple of months in the Arkham and Art series. The leaving over Daniel Dye, Rajah Karuth falling back here in the last couple of weeks since uh, a hiccup at Watkins Glen a couple of weeks back. 17 points now back in the third spot coming out of uh, Milwaukee and heading into their second and final dirt race of the season this uh, this weekend. That's right. And so they're on Sunday, but the Arca West is in action on Saturday on Flow Racing. Their second visit to Portland, and I bet you everyone on the West Series is going, please don't rain, because my goodness, that was a wet and wild event back in June, the one that Jake Drew, your current points leader, won. But Kyle, I haven't looked at the weather, but I would think if it's dry, you could really attack that racetrack because that is such a fun road course. And uh, I think it probably will come down to Jake Drew again trying to defend his win. But is it ever dry in Portland? No. I mean, exactly. (laughs) So the chances are, even if the forecast calls for 10% chance of rain, it's probably going to rain during the event. It was a wild one. We were there back uh, in June. Jake Drew picked up the race win. In fact, he hadn't lost a race until... Uh, two weeks ago when uh, Tanner Reif was able to to claim the win in the West Series latest event. Those two drivers running for the championship. Uh, in fact, Jake has a 44-point lead over Tanner. Four races to go heading to Portland this weekend. Speaking of, uh, well, we're going to go now to the local short tracks, and we mentioned Hickory Motor Speedway and their championship battle, but kind of smack dab in between the penultimate and ultimate race of the season is the Bobby Isaac Memorial out there at Hickory coming up on Saturday. Flow Racing, Ryan Millington, the defending winner. It's a pretty special event. I know we had um, Dale Earnhardt Jr. out being a grand marshal at one of the other big kind of memorial events this year. But this one, because of where it falls, you almost have to wonder, you know, are these championship contenders going to kind of take it easy uh, and not want to tear up the race cars as we stare down the barrel of championship night on the 17th. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, usually a, a really great field comes out. Ryan Millington is the uh, the reigning winner of the race from 2021. Uh, looking forward to seeing what he can do. You know, you have the ladies that we've been talking about, uh, Isabella Robusto, who's run well out there this year, Anna Beth Crumb-Barnes, who we've had on the show. She's uh, picked up a couple of podiums the last couple of weeks and is currently second in points. Landon Huffman, the point leader. So there's a lot of contenders. I'm sure we'll see some outsiders uh, filter in as well uh, after this weekend's events at North Wilkesboro. So kind of a big week of racing, uh, many speed weeks there in North Carolina with North, North Wilkesboro midweek. And then a uh, one of the bigger races of the year at the Hickory Motor Speedway with the Bobby Isaac on Saturday night. Absolutely. And again, you mentioned Wilkesboro due to that event running when we record this show. Of course, we'll talk all about it and probably get some uh, insight next week. Uh, on Coast yep. to Coast. A couple other series kind of getting away from New England that are running this weekend. Show Me the Money series back at Montgomery. Uh, pretty pretty cool uh, uh, event down there as well as there are, I think, only three races to go in that series. And then the Smart Mods. We haven't talked much about them. They kind of took that yep. huge, long hiatus uh, with Bowman Gray and everything going on. Carteret County Speedway uh, coming up on Saturday as well on Flow Racing. Uh, should be fun as well. I believe Bobby Labani back in action as well. So mm-hmm. really fun Series, speaking of the Modifieds, and then Kyle, Flow Racing, again, the place to be beginning Friday. You've got the late Model 50 out at Stafford. What are we going to expect from that one? Yeah, uh, Paradiso Insurance uh, from locally in Stafford Springs sponsoring the event. Uh, longest event of the year for the late models, a tight point battle. Uh, one of the uh, the winningest drivers, in fact, the winningest driver in the series, Tom Byrne, currently second in points, looking for another championship, trying to close in on the winningest driver of the year, Adam Gray. So going to be a good race. 
All the other divisions will be in action as well with the SK Modifieds and the SK Lights, three stocks, limited light models. Going to be a big night there. Um, but we're not the only ones with a big event this weekend. Hard to believe. Championship night at South Boston oh, Speedway coming up this weekend. I can't believe it either. Like, where did the year go? But that is going to be the place to be for sure. All the heavy hitters in action on championship night. It is going to be uh, one heck of a show on Saturday. Also running this weekend, uh, don't forget Granby's got weekly racing as well. Uh, Berlin, Jeff Striegel's track, they're in action as yep. well, continuing on. They're kind of late summer into the fall push. Meridian, Evergreen, Alaska, much more. Uh, is It's, it's going to be the place to be for sure. And, of course, dirt racing as well is going on. I know the um, big, I think it's the Ted Horn 100 out at uh, DuCoin as well, the big mile for the USAC Silver Crowns. So if you like champ cars and you like open wheel, that's the place they're kind of conti- uh, doing a dual action event uh, com- uh, competing with the Arkham Art Series uh, as well. So, man, a lot going on, Kyle. Uh, I'm actually departing for my honeymoon this weekend. So, unfortunately, I will be off the grid. I will not be able to watch a single thing, which is going to drive me nuts because I'm probably going to You're going to on a cruise, st- right? I am, and I'm going to have to probably— Just tell, me, huh? just tell me when to meet you at the port, and I'll be there. Okay. I'll drop a pin, tell you this is where I'll be. Uh okay. But unfortunately, you know, with no cell service, but I was like, man, I may have to like not tell Maggie and go get it just so I can like have flow uh, fl- on my phone, and we'll be at the dinner table and I can watch the the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour and all the other good stuff. I don't know. I'll probably get in trouble. You don't want to start off marriage with an unhappy wife, so I may not and just take one for the team. And uh, you'll have to tell me all about it next week. Well, you said you you tried to watch Daytona from the altar the other night, so I did. Yeah. That wasn't a good idea. Dylan Welch of the yeah. Motor Racing Network was my best man. He was behind me and said, don't do Sitting that. Sitting there so. egging you on, I'm sure. Yeah, he did originally, and then he saw Maggie's face, and he said, put it away. Put it away. <laughs> Anyways, Kyle, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, I probably actually won't see you next week because I will be in the middle of the ocean somewhere. So uh, we'll, 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 I'll see you in two weeks. But, of course, NASCAR Coast Coast will have an episode next week. As always, Kyle will actually have to do some work and uh, lead the show this week. Wow. Appreciate it. It'll be fun. Enjoy the cruise. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. And appreciate to all of you fans tuning in to NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Flow Racing this weekend. Enjoy all the racing that's coming up, especially if you're taking part at Championship Night at South Boston. We'll relive it all uh, next week's show. Have a great weekend, everyone.